For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. War Eagle, everybody. Welcome back inside another episode of Believe in Everything Auburn. Taylor Davis and Jason Campbell here with you, as always, to recap the previous game for your Auburn Tigers and, of course, preview the big matchup that is looming. I feel like I say that every week because at this point of the season, Every matchup is a big one, and uh, given the way our season has shaped up, we very much are still in the driver's seat, so uh, a lot hinges on results of each given week, which honestly makes the season a whole lot more fun, and it has been so far. So Jay and I are super excited to uh, have you along for the ride. We've also got the first week of the college football playoff rankings that came out yesterday, so we are going to give you our thoughts on that. Maybe not exactly what people were anticipating, but uh, I think it kind of shows the cards a little bit of uh, the way things stand in the eyes of the committee, which is always interesting. So we're going to talk all of it. We're glad that you've joined us, but first a word from our sponsor, Bet Online. We're back and better than ever. A new web interface for the start of the basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. So you can head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today, and you're going to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE. 50 to receive your bonus. That's B-L-E-A-V-5-0 to get that 50% welcome bonus. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. Well, before we dive into uh, some Auburn football, Jay and I were actually talking before we started recording. His, uh, his Braves got the big dub last night, World Series champs. Yes, and yes, yes. You know, obviously I work for the Royals now, so I'm, I am I will pull for the Royals all the time. But you just feel like the Braves were America's team. And this this was a win a long time in the making for guys like Freddie Freeman. I mean, it was just it was a special series. Oh, yeah, no doubt. It was a great series when you think about, you know, uh, two organizations where Houston, you know, people kind of questioned them over the last couple of years off of stealing mm-hmm. signals and different things. And then the Braves kind of last year, they had really had a good record and they lose to the Dodgers up three to one. And then this season, you know, midway through the season, they didn't know they were going to make the playoffs. And all of a sudden yep. their best player gets hurt in center field. And also they make yep. a couple of trades and, and here they are getting back in the swing of things. And then they hit the playoffs rolling. And, uh, you know, and beat the best base, the best team that had the record in baseball, which was the Dodgers at the time. And um, and like I said, like that was just classic last night. I know everybody wanted it was. them to win it in Atlanta, but you know, to go on an opposing team, first you win the first game in the World Series in the opposing team's territory, and then you right. go and you win the clinch game. Like that's big time. That shows you like mental toughness. And I feel like those guys had some big hits last night. Like 
I'm talking about they was just not hitting home runs. Them things were going out the park. So, you know, it goes to show you the focus that was there. But, yes, I was a Braves fan ever since I was a child just because they actually – that's the only team we covered in the Southeast. You know, the Braves were covered a lot of states. Right. And uh, I remember they tried to draft me out of high school. Uh, They actually had to talk to – Yeah, they actually had to talk to my parents about it. I didn't even play high school baseball. I kind of stopped when I was about ninth grade. And uh, I was really, yeah, I was really good at it. And uh, when I stopped and, and uh, I remember dad asked me about it and I said, no, nah, I just want to, you know, I want to play football. I want to go to the SEC. But yeah, so they've always been, you know, my, my team, I pulled for. So stops playing baseball in ninth grade, mm-hmm. MLB teams come knocking, could have yeah. played basketball, could have number one recruit ends up your choice of school, play football at Auburn, QB, set all these. Re- I mean, like, what's it like to be God's favorite, Jason? Um, I just say, you know, all the blessings to him. All the blessings to him. That's, <laughs> I mean, all, I, that's all I have to say about that. You are highly favored, my dude. But, but had I known what I know now about baseball, I probably kept playing all the way through high school and just seeing where it would have went. But really? I don't question anything. Nah. But I think baseball played way too many games, and I think I was just gotten tired <laughs> of that. <laughs> and football just does something to me. Like, football, there's a bunch of fans. There's, you know, even when you yeah. play basketball, there's a bunch of fans in the arena. When you dunk, people go crazy. That energizes you. Like, in a football stadium, there's nothing like running out, and there's 90,000 people screaming and hollering, and game on the line as loud as it gets, and you're playing quarterback. So it's against you. It's your voice against all yeah. these other people that are screaming at you, and you're trying to communicate. You know, it's just something that challenges you. And when you're challenged, it seems to bring out the best of you. And sometimes, so I really enjoy the aspect. The only thing about football, it's a lot of bumps and bruises, even when you're That's finished. That's true. But That's quite true. from a sighting standpoint, though, it's nothing like it. Yeah, I think you, I think it's shaped out. All right, Jay, you, you did pretty well for yourself. I have no complaints. That's I'm awesome. not complaining. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not that complaining. is pretty cool. But yeah, big congrats to, uh, to the Braves, and I'm sure we have a lot of listeners who are Braves fans, so hope you guys enjoyed that one. It was a long time coming. But let me tell you who did have a good Halloween weekend, and that was our Tigers putting on a fantastic show Saturday night. Let's get into it. Auburn defeats Ole Miss 31-20 to at the time. Ole Miss was the number 10 team in the nation. Now, let me tell you what was incredibly evident to me, Jason, and that was how beneficial a bye week is. And mm-hmm. We are going to talk more about that because the opponent we have this upcoming week will now have those wealth of riches that we just did. They will be playing at home coming out of their bye week, and we see how important it is. We were also delighted to see the return of Owen Papo and TD Moultrie, and it was great to have those guys back. But 207 rushing yards, 140 on the day for Tank Bigsby, also something we talked about last week, expecting to see from him. And Bo Nix was 22 of 30 for 276 yards and, uh, of course, doing the the scrambling in the effective way that we love to see him do. So it really was another complete team win. I mean, a, a unfortunately missed field goal. He hit the, the right upright. We did have a couple fumbles as well. Luckily, our defense uh, prevented them from capitalizing on it. So definitely still some some wrinkles to iron out. But overall, just a, a true showcase of, of the talent and the athleticism that's here at Auburn, but also how this coaching staff is making their imprint and it's it's translating to the field. I was I was really impressed by by what they showed this week. 
Yeah, I thought the guys came out focused. Like I said, the first thing you always like to see after a bye week is how do guys respond? Are they going to come out fast or are we going to be yeah. sluggish until we can get our rhythm going? But they came out, they started fast. Uh, we got the ball first. Immediately we went down the field and scored a touchdown. I thought that was very huge because mm-hmm. it put Ole Miss in a chase in a chase format from then on for the rest of the game because – like I say, everybody said their defense improved, but against if you look at the the numbers against Power Five conferences, Power Five teams, they was giving over four hundred some yards a game and over thirty two points a game. So we knew that we could score each time that we touched the ball. It was a matter of us getting ahead of them and make them be in chase mode with our defense playing exceptionally well. And I, I really like Derrick Mason's approach to this game, the fact that he yeah. was playing a little bit of a bend but don't break. So he got to the red zone. He's his defense stiffened because you have that back in line to help you. So you know you can't get beat deep so now you can get it's easier to keep things in front of you and I feel like the guys did that really well and as I talked about this before the show you know Lane Kiffin to me is crazy you know like yeah. there's no way it's fourth and six or seven in the red zone and I'm going to try to go for it on fourth downs four times yeah. you yeah. know like that's 12 points you taking off the board and you kind of limit your team so thanks for him for giving us those gifts and right. uh and everything so we'll take it but at the same time <laughs> I feel like offensively, I feel like we were well balanced. I feel like, you know, Bo played a really good game of staying yeah. in control again. He looked kind of like he did in Arkansas where his feet was kind of calm and he yep. didn't really scramble out until he had to. Um, he made some great plays with his feet on design plays and runs for him. That I think they're they're putting in the offense for him because they don't want to take away his athleticism. Right, they should. All right, so they continue to put more plays in like that for him by design, which is really good. And I feel like our run game was really balanced. If you think about what Tank was able to do uh, for us a rushing attack. Now, we have to learn how to hang on to the football. That was yeah. big. You know, we we got away with one where we fumbled the ball on a two-yard line and our offensive lineman recovered it. And yeah. so those things, and we got away with one on a punt where we dropped the punt and our defense oh. held them to zero points. So we, those things that get you in some games. And a, a lot of it has, you know, right timing for us. You know, Ole Miss, you know, they was a little banged up a little bit. It's not our right. fault. You know, so right. they was a little banged up. They played a tough schedule up to that point, and you can tell. Now, do I think all those injuries was real injuries? I knock on wood. I don't think so. I think a lot no. of that was to pause plays and uh, and another way of getting a free timeout. And mm-hmm. I know the SEC is going to have to have to take a hard look at some of the things that they were doing because they've done it too much and too often. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, and it just – it, it makes the game too long and then it takes the rhythm of the game, just takes it out of it. And so they got to start looking at some film and see like, okay, if this person goes down, they have to sit out the whole series. I agree. You know, so something has to be done to stop this type of stuff. Um, and so, yeah, but overall perspective, I was impressed with what the team came out and did. I, I feel like, you know, for a, a team that we're still trying to climb the ranks, uh, I thought we handled our business and I thought the guys came off a bye week with the right attitude uh, to get ready to, to go into another big week. Yeah, absolutely. I did too. And I, I completely agree with you about that. And it's actually been talked about in several broadcasts this season, just the need for some kind of policy change in terms of, of injury. You don't want to say punishment for getting injured because the ones that are truly injured, like that, Mm -hmm. that's not (laughs) justifiable, but there has to be a, 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 
a result of an injury that would encourage you to not want it to happen. No one wants an injury to happen. You want a fake injury because it does, especially with the amount that we see tempo in the SEC. Like it, it completely hinders that. It's almost used as a tactic. And you also need it because then it's so unfair for guys that genuinely are hurt to be getting booed because like we now don't know who's crying wolf and who's genuine. And so you have to be able to distinguish the two so that guys that really are hurt are going to be believed like that. That needs to be a key part of football, but like it's becoming so common and they even showed it in the broadcast. Sorry, but one of the Ole Miss defensive linemen, they pulled the tape and he went Mm. and was standing at the line and looked over to the sideline and then dropped. It was not an injury. It was not right after contact. It was moments later. So like video doesn't lie. Like unless you just all of a sudden catch a cramp, but like we aren't going to be able to distinguish that unless there is a more prominent setback after injuries that will prevent guys from feeling like they, they can do it without problem. Now, speaking of being banged up, I do want to give credit to Matt Corral and I'm, I'm not, you know, trying to sing the praises of our opponent, but like homeboy is not healthy. Homeboy was banged up back in the Tennessee game. He was struggling in it for weeks. And when he got that ankle rolled, I said this last week, Matt Corral is not a big dude, not only height. He is like a, a small limbed guy. That ankle got rolled right on top of to the point that he couldn't even get taped enough on the sideline. They took him back to the locker room, like extensive stuff was happening and the guy refuses to quit. I just am so impressed by his like resiliency and and commitment to be the leader of this team. And like, even to the point that he's still being like, they're running him a lot. Like they don't even scale back what they're asking him to do when he plays injured. Like he just has a, such a fiery competitive mindset that he can overcome physical limitations. And like, you just, you tip your hat to guys like that. You have to. Well, you see a reason why he's part of the Hasman Hasman list. Conversation. Yeah. yeah, he, He showed a lot of it. Like, you know, the guy went down. The team was still in the fight when he went down. He left the field. That was a real injury. And then mm-hmm. he goes and he comes back into the game. And let's give credit. The backup came in. He didn't do bad. You know, but you can tell it was it was, it was a difference, though, between him and Corral, Matt Corral. Like I said, they still ran him after the fact. After he was injured, they still had designed runs where they was running him. So, I, you know, he's so much a part of what they do offensively. Like, once he's gone from Ole Miss, you know, they really have to try to find a guy that fits his type of style of play because they seem like that's how their offense go. And um, so, you know, definitely a, a great talent, great, uh, you know, great season he's having. But uh, he, he did make one poor decision uh, that I know he wants back. And I know why he did it because – when you got a coach to go for so much on fourth down, you're almost feeling forced to have to make something happen. And that one scramble that he scrambled outside the uh, going towards our end zone, and he tried to throw it back across the middle to a receiver in the back of the end zone that got picked off to kind of seal the deal for us. Like, that's a play that he typically doesn't make because he doesn't throw interceptions. Like, this Correct. is a guy that protects the football very well. And when he makes a throw like that, and you see Lane Kiffin getting upset, no, I'm like, Lane, no, that's on you. 
because yeah, you totally. put him in that you put that you put him in that situation like protect your quarterback protect your player sometimes like stop trying to be this guy to put make everything about you and this right. analytic analytics type stuff like so when he did that you know of course Macarell, like i don't want to throw interceptions but at the same time he felt forced to have to try to make a play because you go for it so much on fourth downs. Yeah, so, exactly. You know, thankfully, like I said, for us, he gave, they gave us a few gifts, but much respect to him. Great point. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you there. Um, yeah, and I, I think that our fast start is incredibly imperative, especially moving forward. When you do that at home, like you said, first possession, 11 plays for 82 yards and a touchdown. You get on the board early. You establish kind of your offensive rhythm. When you do that at home, you fire up your own crowd and kind of get in the mind of your opponent. When you do that on the road, you silence the crowd and kind of give yourself the confidence of establishing that, like, even though we're not in our house, we're going to take control here. It's so important. And I think they, they are going to have to do that again this week, but it really set the tone early. I mean, they, they came out with that energy and it translated schematically. And I, I think it really set the tone early against an old Miss offense. That's very high powered and very effective. Like they weren't able to really find their footing to that point either. We also scored with 15 seconds left in the first half, which I also think was a, a, a really impressive and, and kind of mode shifter because you, you go into the half with a 28 to 17 lead, a lot of juice, a lot of momentum, like the timing of, of our scores and controlling the clock and all of that as well. I think it just, it all shaped up really soundly. Now we only scored a field goal the entire second half. I think our defense played really well. Just again, always very evident the halftime adjustments that Derek Mason makes and, and how quickly the guys take to it in the locker room at halftime as well. The defense forced two straight three and outs to start the second half. I mean, they were just locked in, laser focused, quick on their feet, quick off the ball, very reactive. I was just overall incredibly, incredibly impressed. Uh, Kobe Hudson also had a fumble that that could have been problematic. It was toward the end, and we still had a comfortable lead. But ball security, man. I mean, it, you you let you know your opponent have that kind of field position, and in those situations, you don't always walk away with the W in situations like that. So that certainly has to be a point of emphasis, but um, to give me a little input on, uh, on Bo's uh, passing game. I, I know that the the receivers are still kind of coming into, into their own. What growth are you seeing in him specifically in the passing game? I know you've mentioned his footwork, but in terms of accuracy, in terms of his reads, these things that we haven't really been able to praise him for consistently the past two years, Certainly in these last two wins, there, there are things that he's bringing to the table from a QB perspective. What are you seeing from him in that aspect of this offense? Yeah, one thing I'm really seeing from him is, like I said, the decision-making. Yeah. Um, that's number one. You know, he's not turning the football over. He's not putting the ball in danger. Uh, where before, you know, you made some throws, you'd be like, oh, you know, or, you know, <laughs> but, you know, but I think he's protecting the football very well. I think he's making mm -hmm. smart choices. He's, he's knowing when to scramble and when not to scramble. He's not and like, and, and using his athletic ability, you know, there's, there's two times uh, the other night that he scrambled out of third downs to where they had him sacked and he was able to make a play and, and at least get to the, you know, make it a fourth and one. So your coach have a choice to go for it. 
and uh, and everything. So, you know, he's he's being better in that aspect of it. And I, I think he's trusting his offensive line a lot more where he's staying in that pocket and he's kind of going through his progressions. And I think the one thing that Bobo is doing a lot to help him is he's giving him more controlled passes. Like we're throwing curls, yeah. we're throwing some crossing routes, we're throwing some some deep over routes, we're throwing some stop routes and, and different things like that. The things that come up in the passing concepts they're giving him an opportunity to have a higher percentage of completions and right, and everything. Right. Now the things that we can work on is still putting a little bit more touch on the ball out of the backfield to our running backs in the you know those swing passes and and different things. And uh, I think just because he he has a live arm, sometimes that thing comes off hot. And uh, so you know those just those things he can continue to work on. But overall, though, I, I seem like from those standpoint, from decision making to trusting his offensive line to you know, being more in up and, and trusting the the system that's being called and, and and having those short completions as well to keep us on schedule. He's doing a really good job of sustaining drives for us. I, I would agree with that. It really is just like sometimes as as challenging as change can be in college football, and it's also not a guarantee for success. I mean, sometimes you take a shot in the dark and hope that it works for the best, but I really feel like it, it needed to happen for Bo to have the entire coaching staff change. I just think they were, they were stuck in their ways a little bit with him, even bringing in Chad Morris as an OC, like it just, something was not clicking, whether it was the system, whether it was not feeling like there was a, a backup that really was going to, you know, give him a run for his money. I don't know what has happened, but it finally feels like Bo's in a good situation with this staff, with this system, with his kind of, personal game and I'm not saying the guy's perfect and I'm not saying that we still may not see him revert back to some habits of old we already have this season but it just feels like this is the best scenario he has been in since at Auburn and it gives you a better idea of of what you actually have to work with with him he's not um, as much of a conundrum this season as he has been in the past to the point that fans have been a little you know, back and forth with him because you, you don't, you can't get a good read on what he's done in the past seasons. But I think this year has given you a, a better insight into what he really is capable of being. And this coaching staff is the right group to help him accomplish that. That's, that's my thoughts on it to this point. But one question I have for you, and part of it is just because I'm a sucker for just like good storylines in college football and like my heart really gets invested. You know what I mean? <laughs> I just really understand the fact that we have really fantastic running backs and sometimes mm. with a wealth of riches comes difficult decisions, you know, and, and you have to do what's best. But I just I want Sean Shivers in the game more than he is. I'm going to say it. <laughs> well, here we go. <laughs> if you want Shivers in the game more, does that mean, you know, there's more limited, unlimited carries for, for Tank and for Tank for and Jarquez. Yes, you know, and I'm, I'm saying that. I will say this. I can agree with you on the standpoint of getting him more in the game sometime on first down and second down, just not always third down um, yep. where he has the opportunity. Like I said, that run he made a couple of years ago, he ran through the Alabama's linebacker's chest. We know that he's a tough runner. It seems like we're using him more now in the passing game than we are like actually letting him run the ball. So yep. I, I can agree with you, like maybe mixing it up a little bit more as we go down the season here where Showers gets in the game and on some run touches. And um, cause he is a physical runner. 
and, and, and everything. And so, so I, I think that's something that they'll probably, you know, see and, and notice a little bit, especially when you start to get into the thick part of your schedule, you want him to be running tough as well, because, you know, like Hunter and Tank, they run tough, but like I say, showers is a different kind of back. And uh, so I, so I can agree with that. I can agree with that. I just, and I think he's godly. I mean, you talk about the, the heart of college football. I mean, when I had Auburn week one, Coach Harson told us that Sean Shivers had the best camp out of anybody. Like he, mm-hmm. this is part of the core of this team and he has earned his spot. And I understand you've got Tank and Jarquez and they're getting the job done. You know what I mean? Like you, as a coach, you're sitting here going, why would I change something that's working? You know, yeah. but like, he is a different back and he's, he's lower and, and a hard nosed runner and he runs through tackles and like, he's the heart. Like he, he goes about his business the right way. He works hard and this guy never complains. I've talked about it so many times. He is the quintessential candidate for the transfer portal. I, honestly, like it would make so much sense for him to do it, but he is so committed to this place and this team, even with Jarquez and Tank really being in the spotlight. And I'm just, you want guys like that to to get rewarded. And in some way it does, it all works out the way it's meant to. But there was one play, he came in on third down. They ended up getting the first down. I think it was a, a pass play because like you said, they use him a lot in the pass game. But he got the first down and he immediately gets up and starts running back to the line of scrimmage and he turns to the sideline and they're they're calling him out. And like mm-hmm. it's not even consecutive plays and and like clearly the guy's got some juice. He's got some momentum. Like let him roll with it a little bit. I understand there's Yeah, you saying give him a series a little bit. Yeah, like it, it, taking him out immediately when when the guy just got you a first down like but let me tell you something. The camera was on him. He turned to the sideline, realized that he wasn't staying out there and he mm-hmm. took off running to the sideline and he's clapping the entire time he's running back there was no pouting he was encouraging of the guy I think it was Hunter that was going back out there like it's he did his job and and now he's being called back and that's okay because it's what's best for the team and I just stuff like that is often overlooked but I don't think it should be because like that those pieces those players make up a championship football team you have to have guys like that and I just I think they should let him go a little bit more because I think his power running his effectiveness in the past game matched with the heart and the way he plays this game like I think he's I think he deserves it and and I just I want to put that out there and I I hope that they they let him go a little bit more because I think he's a high caliber back who deserves it but anyway let's switch gears to this upcoming week because certainly a lot of good to take away but you've got another tough task ahead and it is on the road not an environment that's gonna you know be be bowing down and kissing the ring this is an environment that's gonna try and get in your head now and they did it to uh to the other big dog in the state so mm-hmm. they feel very confident they can do it to us as well and look i have i have called a game at kyle field it is intimidating. That is a massive stadium. It is loud. They get very into it. I mean, this is going to be another tough test. And after the rankings have come out, which we're going to talk about at the end, Auburn is now ranked 13. Texas A&M is now ranked 14. So this is going to be a very intense, well-matched game with SEC West implications on the line. So 
like I said, Texas A&M is coming off their bye week, which can always be very beneficial. Uh, they're ranked number 14. Now, listen, their wins and losses make you scratch your head a little bit. Right. Their, their win over Alabama is by far their mm-hmm. most impressive. It's arguably one of the country's most impressive wins. I mean, because Alabama is Alabama. But their other wins in the SEC are Missouri and South Carolina. If you aren't beating those two teams this season, I'm not sure what you're doing. Their losses in the conference are to Mississippi State and Arkansas. So, like, honestly, you do look at this and go, wait, how are they 14? (laughs) How are they 14, honestly? Like, your your most prominent law – sorry, most prominent win is Alabama, which is light years ahead of a lot of, you know, a lot of wins. But then, like, there is a substantial drop in terms of, you know, impressive resume, you've got Alabama, but then beyond that, like, I'm sorry. I just don't, I I don't really know where, you know, the, the hoopla comes from other than the Bama win. And again, it just shows you the, the power and the prestige that Alabama holds that even with their loss, they're the number two team in the nation. And basically just with that win, Texas A&M gets to be the 14th team in the nation. So it just goes to show how, uh, how mighty Alabama is. But um, nonetheless, they do have two really stud offensive weapons that you got to key in on, running back Isaiah Spiller and tight end Jalen Weidemeyer, who is one of the best tight ends in the nation. This guy is very, very impressive and a hard guy to bring down. I mean, he's a matchup problem for everybody. Uh, Their defense is allowing 329 yards, 16.1 points per game, 129 rushing yards. Now, they are led up front by DeMarvin Leal. He has 35 tackles, five and a half sacks, eight and a half tackles for loss on the season. But their defensive front is huge. Hayden Peavy, 6'6", 315. Michael Clemens, 6'5", 270. Tyree Johnson, 6'4", 240. So they have a very stacked, um, aggressive front. They will come after the run game often and early, expecting that uh, Tank and Jarquez and Sean are going to continue to try that. So the pass game is going to have to click here. They're going to have to do it in a, an intense environment. And their quarterback, you know, discussion evolution has been interesting this year. Honestly, it's it's kind of been the reason they weren't the threat that everyone expected them to be in the beginning half of the season. And they've kind of come into their own as their backup quarterback has settled in. Their starting quarterback, Haynes King, got hurt against Colorado early in the season. So sophomore Zach Calzada came in. He looked very disheveled. Very He looked like a sophomore, you know what I mean? Little uneasy, just wasn't, didn't have that starter role down yet. But he has definitely settled in. Uh, I mean, honestly, coming into this season, he had 24 career college passes, all basically in like games that were already put away. And he just had to close them out against like group of five or FCS teams in 2019 until getting thrown into action against Colorado. When their starter went down, he had not thrown double digit passes in a live game since high school. So like oh, this was not a this was not a role he was used to and also not one that he was eased into. So a tough test, a tough test for our defense, a tough test for our offense specifically in an environment like this, but definitely one that we are I think we are very clearly the better team. This game is also made out of emotions, like uh, yeah. momentum as well like when you were playing in hostile environments so you're playing sometimes it's not so much where you're playing at it's just about what can you control and the things that we can control is 
can we protect the football? That's on us. Can we go in there and can we play solid defense? That's on us. Now, can our special teams be better than they did last week? Like, you can't afford to delay a games on field goal kicks. Like, it'll bite you in the butt on longer field goals. So, you know, those are things that we can control. Now, you can't control the crowd noise. You can't control the atmosphere. But guess what, though, Taylor? That's what you come to Auburn for, to play 100%. in environments like Powell Field. And to that's exciting to me more than it is scary. You know what I'm saying? Like, yep. you get a, you get excited to play in these type of atmosphere. Nobody wants to go to a stadium where there's only 8,000 fans and nobody's there. Like, you want to play in front of thousands and hundreds of thousands of people and, you know, people just energetic. Like, that does something to you. That's totally. real college football. So, I, I say this, like um, – Kyle Field, we've played exceptionally well there in the past. Uh, I know in the Gus era, he's done really well out there. Um, like I said, this can be a different animal this time just because of a little bit of they're not just a passing team. With Jenny Manziel, there's more passing. So when Kellen Munn was there, you know, like they still lean heavily on the passing game and running right. him as the quarterback position. But now they they are strictly like old school. We're running it downhill and it's up to you to stop it and with their two running backs that they have arcane and miller like these two guys you know spiller i mean yeah spiller instead of miller he's running the ball at 761 yards right now in the season Mm -hmm. arcane has 608 so both of them could have a thousand yards apiece by the end of the year and you got to think in a game like this that jimbo is going to lean heavily on those two guys and lean heavily on his big defensive end that he has uh, to, to make some plays for them. And I think they're going to try to keep Bo in the pocket because they know that when he gets out of the pocket, it seems to make him settle into games faster. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's something that Bo has to expect them to try to do. So don't, you know, just go into the game. Just just keep your eyes on your progressions. Like, you will know when to run. Like, you, the opportunity will present itself at certain times because sometimes they'll right. let the guard down. They'll know, like, okay, we got out of lanes. He can make a play. But I just feel like this game will come down to us, what we do defensively. Like, can we, yeah. it, it goes back to, like, the Penn State game. Like, I thought it, it's another game, another atmosphere just like that. And what can we do defensively in stopping their run? That's the number one thing is stopping their run. If we make them one-dimensional, I feel like the game is ours to be taken. Yeah, agreed. No, I totally agree with you about, you know, it, it, you can't control the environment. There's nothing you can do about it, but you can control your response to it. So – delay of games, false starts, offsides, like they have to play a very clean football game and still be very disciplined and not let all of that get to you. Now, this is also a team that finally went into Death Valley and got a win. So it's not like they're, I mean, Arkansas, even with an 11 a.m. kick was a pretty intense environment. So like they've been there. We played in Happy Valley, but, uh, you know, Kyle Field, just given what's riding on this and at this point of the season, like Stakes are very high, and both teams know that really a loss here and uh, and the SEC game and even the the long shot of a college football playoff bid will basically be out of reach with with this loss for either of these teams. But right now, hope is still alive for both of them. So how you handle that added pressure and and kind of the intangibles there. Texas A&M is favored. Are you surprised by that? No, I'm not not super surprised just because, you know, that's what they like to, to do. Right, you go, right. You're going into their territory. Look, last week, college game day picked everybody. Ole Miss. Ole Miss. I love you know that Ole, we posted like, that on Instagram. Yeah. So I was just like, OK, clearly these guys 
have not known the history between Auburn and Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but yeah, so that didn't shock me. It's just like this, and the, this doesn't shock me either. Do we? Yes, we have ultimate respect for Texas and them. I think a lot yeah. of it is we're playing into their territory, and so that kind of weighs a little bit on. It, and they're coming off a bye week, but to us, like we just come off a bye week, and we had right. one game, so it's not like we're beat up. Like we're still refreshed. We come off a bye yeah. week, beat a, a team that's ranked number ten in the nation. Now we get a chance to go on, the, on to play another team, which I feel like we have a little bit more momentum than them because they coming off a bye week, but we're only one week removed. So that gives That's us, true. so that gives us a little bit of an edge from a standpoint of having our 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 momentum and our chemistry going a little bit faster than them. So correct, you know, this would be a big game. But November's are always we we didn't say in football terms, November is a month to remember. Yeah. Like, you want to be playing for something in November. You don't want to be not playing for anything and already looking forward to the off season to getting better and try to come back next season. Like you want yeah. to have the opportunity to still be playing for your division and have a chance at the at the end of the year to clinch it and and go play in the SEC championship, which leads typically leads to the playoffs. So right now, is this still in front of us? Yes, it's still in front of us, but it still has to be the one and old mentality that Harson is telling these guys every day because if you don't get this one, nothing else matters. You know, so right. you have to get this one first before you continue to to climb that ladder. And I think this team is taking that approach and everything because you would have asked us before the season hey if you have an opportunity to win an SEC championship against Alabama in your backyard at the end of the year to go to the to face Georgia again would you take that 95 percent of the time you're gonna say yes you're gonna take right. that maybe 99 percent of the time with a first year <laughs> head coach you know so you know they're on schedule and they're getting better each week and like I said each week supposed to present a different challenge it's supposed to get harder as you right. go down the schedule now you know, it's like this game is a game that Jimbo probably has circled on his calendar because, mm-hmm. you know, Auburn has kind of been an Achilles heel to him over the last couple of years. I think last year we played them. They had lost one game when it came to Auburn and we beat them. So, you know, so this is this is, I think, a big challenge for him. He always has tough times against Auburn. And, you know, we'll see what happens this weekend. But I'm just saying, like, as a player, it's nothing more exciting than to be playing for something. I'd rather be playing for totally. something than just be playing. Exactly. And already feel like your fate has been sealed in a way. Um, but I'm I'm super excited for it. I, I expect them to come in with the same energy that they did, especially knowing that uh, there is some, you know, some respect being put on on this program right now, aside from Georgia and Alabama, who are the number one and number two teams in the nation. Auburn is the highest ranked SEC team. And mm-hmm. I think that that is a really good place to be in. Uh, again, like you were just saying, if you told us at the beginning of the season, week one of the college football playoff, you know, committee's announcement in F- Brian Harson's first year, Auburn is going to be the third highest ranked SEC team, only trailing Georgia and Bama, who are one and two respectively. I would be like, frick yeah. Like that's, <laughs> that's incredibly impressive, especially when you flash back 10 weeks ago and think about how little we knew about what this team was looking like, what this coaching staff would install. Like it's so impressive. I would say they may be ahead of schedule for how much newness happened and how many guys, you know, did enter the transfer portal. There was a lot of movement for us as well in terms of personnel. So I'm super impressed by all of this, but before we close out, I do want to get your input on the rankings 
us being at 13, but uh, more so the top four. Georgia at one, Bama at two, Michigan State at three, and Oregon at four. Undefeated Cincinnati falls out of the top four altogether when they have held number two in the AP top 25 majority of this season. Thoughts on the top four, surprises, anything you would change on the committee? I said, like, Cincinnati, I like Cincinnati. You know, they went to Notre Dame mm-hmm. and they they handled business. And unfortunately for them, they they need another big team on their schedule to beat. They do. Um, they do. You know, you're playing teams that, that doesn't have winning records for the rest of the year for the most, for the most part, you know, and you're beating them, like, not – not by big margins, mm-hmm. you know, it stems to raise some questions to the to the playoff committee because they're saying you should be beating these teams at least four to five touchdowns, you right. know, to be a top four team and everything. Not not you get up for one game against Notre Dame and you beat them and then all of a sudden you're you're playing down to your opponent for the rest of the season. Like so I think they have to approach the mindset is like, man, we got to start really like showing and, and beating teams. But that's on them and their AD for not putting another team on their schedule, Agreed. you know, um, and everything because they are a deserving football team to have a chance to be in the playoffs and to fight for a national championship. But you gotta, you, you, it's hard for me to put them ahead of teams like Michigan State and Oregon, who's had to travel to Ohio State and play them in their backyard and beat them right. there. You know, Agreed. like that's that's a huge win. And like Michigan State, you know, you go against Michigan this weekend, two top 10 teams, and you beat Michigan. And I think they still have to play Michigan State. I mean, Michigan State still has to play Ohio State and uh, and everything. So it, it it's just when you have to play multiple good teams, it's easy to beat one or two, Taylor. But when you have to play multiple, right. though, and you have to win, that's like that's more difficult. So I think that's what the playoff committee is looking at. Yeah, I think they're they're really trying to get Ohio State to be in there, but I think that's why they put them at like five or six. I think they put them at six. It's just because simple fact they know them and Michigan State will have to play each other. Right. So whoever wins or loses that game, either Michigan State stay where they are, or Ohio State jumps into that position. Right. And at the end of the day, it's also political. It Who's is. gonna bring more fans to the playoffs? Exactly. Ohio State or Cincinnati? Ohio State. You know what I'm saying? Who's gonna bring Georgia and Bama? Come on. You know, like they gonna put the fans and stuff there, like so. Of course, you no. Know, that's why they kept Oklahoma at four for so long, even though they was barely beating Kansas. You know, right. they and they barely beat Tulane when they should have lost to at least Kansas. Kansas gave them a mm-hmm. gift with a fumble, and the quarterback yep. had to wear just to rip it from the quarterback and go get. I mean, quarterback rip it from the running back go get a first. So they're barely winning. So I can't put them in the top four because I'm just like you're barely beating teams that are one and six and one and seven. It's taking you down to the wire. You right. know, so they can't sit up there and be upset because they got to look at themselves. So I think right now it's sitting in the right place. Um, Like I said, if Auburn continues to win, they can have a chance to sneak up there. And like I said, they get to the SEC championship game and you can win that game and get in it and win it. Then you have a chance to to make the final four because the the strength of your schedule. So, you know, other teams got to realize this, they have got the strength in their schedules and they can't complain when they know this is something the committee is going to look at. 100%. I think that what this, yeah, I mean, looking at Cincinnati's schedule, the only ranked win that they have is over Notre Dame, 24 to 13. Now they played Indiana like week four. I don't, I don't remember if Indiana was ranked at that point or not, but um, they beat UCF 56 to 21. They almost lost to Navy 27 to 20, who wasn't ranked. Like, 
And honestly, the rest of the way for them, Tulsa, South Florida, SMU, SMU's ranked 23 right now, and Eastern Carolina. Like, you really, even if you are undefeated at the end of the season, that's where this thing gets sticky and people are forever going to have, you know, contrasting opinions in this is because, yes, with record, you want to so quickly go, well, they're undefeated. Like, uh, uh, mm-hmm. come on, like they're undefeated. They, they automatically get up there. No, strength of schedule carries a lot of weight in this system. This reminds me of, of the UCF a few years ago that basically right. declared themselves national champions because they were undefeated by the end of the season. But who did you beat? If you are right. undefeated and you are playing teams that, I'm sorry, don't hold a candle to power five schools, then like there is nothing the committee can do there. And a team like Georgia or Alabama who may even come in with two losses, but they played a gauntlet of a schedule. Even their out of conference games included another power five. Like that that's just what you're going to have to do. But here's where the problem lies. It's not Cincinnati's fault that they're in the American conference. Like, mm-hmm. so all these non power five schools are going it does not matter what we do. The current structure of the playoff is not going to be conducive for us to make it. All this says is the playoff has to be expanded. I think this year is going to be a prime evidence and mm-hmm. an example of why it has to happen. If you look at the way the top eight is right now, all of those teams should go head to head and work it out to a to a top four because there is disparity between these conferences, but like it does suck to feel like, well, why is it called the college football playoff? It should be the power five playoff because no matter what we do, you're not going to view our wins as high caliber enough because we're group of five. Like that's going to be the issue moving forward. If this thing does not get expanded, Cincinnati, UCF in the past, they have proven the committee's not going to put you in even if you are undefeated because these power five schedules are going to be deemed more impressive. That's just how it's going to be. And I'm sorry, just how it should be. Think about our Auburn. We went to Penn State this year. It is. Look at the schedule we're playing. And we went to Penn State, you know. So, yeah. like, you can't say that we didn't challenge. We're challenged. And, Absolutely. Uh, and like, if you just play the SEC schedule alone, you're challenged. You're in the Big right. Ten. You play a Big Ten and schedule alone, you're challenged, you know. So, yeah. when they send us tip outside of their conferences, like a Penn State, and say, well, okay, we're going to play Auburn, like, they're adding another challenge onto what's already a challenge and schedule. So, exactly. you know, these these ADs and stuff, that's why I think that Fickle is going to leave Cincinnati after this year and take one of these other Power 5 jobs. It's yep. just because he's put in a good system in a good place, but his schedule is just not going to allow him to compete for a championship of a national championship. And uh, so that's why, that's why it, it is going to expand. Um, what they're saying, two years, it may – that they're going to expand it. So, you know, rightfully to. so, it should expand because yeah. let's think about it. when we first came out with the playoff system, it took so much luster off of just the regular bowl games. Nobody even cared about the other bowl game. Like if you play in a New Year's Day bowl, everybody like, well, who cares? Well, it's not the whatever. playoffs. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, where those bowls used to mean a whole lot back in the day in the BCS era was when I was playing. If you played a New Year's Day bowl, that was big money for your university, and that was a big-time matchup. And uh, where now it's like, oh, that don't mean anything. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's all about the playoffs. So I'm sorry, if it's going to be all about the playoffs, then they have to expand to give other conferences and other teams an opportunity to participate. Otherwise, 
you're feeling left out, like the tweet that I put that went viral this week. I didn't think it was going to go viral, but I had put a tweet out about every time I see the 1957 team and 2010 team that they announced at Auburn by national champs, it makes me feel a little bit left out and deflated because right. I feel like we had a real team and we was and we was legit like champions you know what i'm saying so but you don't get a chance to have your name or don't get a chance to have your your year up there and it, you you feel left out like you feel behind like you don't feel as important as those other two teams when we know we was a big part of auburn history but we feel left out and that's yeah. how these teams are feeling when they're feeling left out of the playoffs a hundred percent and I, I just think that that's it's the only way because then it also you, you basically, I mean, everyone can argue the committee's decision-making any season. I mean, you can always do that. We're all human, and there is going to be human error to this thing. But then get it to a point where, all right, well, you eight feel like you're the best teams in the nation. You There is an argument for all of you. Now it's up to you. It's not up to the committee anymore. The results are, are going to determine this. I think that's that's really going to be the only way that this thing gets a little more fine-tuned and effective. But I don't disagree with the way things stand right now. I know Cincinnati fans were pissed because you do <laughs> feel like, I mean, what else can I do? But it's it's just kind of the way that it's structured right now. It, it definitely favors the Power Five, and I don't see that. The only way that changes is if the playoff expands, in my opinion. But honestly, in, in terms of, strength of schedule and resume and and how that would be shaped up at the end no other team in this initial college football playoff top 25 ranking that came out this week no other team has more than two games remaining against ranked opponents than auburn hmm. georgia has none the rest of the way georgia's schedule only includes unranked teams alabama only has one ranked team left to play and that would be us we have three. Mm. So and, and yeah, so that's that's a that's a case for us. Like exactly. if we run the table, like we should get in with a two loss. And Correct. uh and that's why I'm saying, like, guys, you just have to control what you can control. Like yep. don't don't get so thinking about all the scenarios. The only scenario you usually think think about is each week is just trying to get a W. One game and at a time. One game at a time. So, you know, this thing is going from BCS when it was two teams to playoffs where it's four. So now it's going to be playoff expansion where it's going to be eight to 12. And for the SEC, it's only going to get harder because we add tests in Oklahoma in the next couple of years. So we may get three teams in the, in the playoffs. And, uh, you know, just because you just look at it, like we're taking the two top teams from the big 12 and put them in the SEC. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. <laughs> so this thing Good is going luck. to be really interesting. Good Lord. It's chaos, <laughs> but uh, we certainly have, uh, Quite a case on our side. Certainly a, a big one looming and an exciting one as it always is. And with that, we will say goodbye here on Believe in Everything Auburn. Everyone enjoy the game this week, 2.30 Central Time on CBS. And uh, and then we'll recap it next week in preparation for Mississippi State that uh, actually may also be a little sneakier than people realize. So plenty still mm -hmm. to talk about. It feels like season is, is winding down, but there's still a lot of action before we, uh, we hit postseason. So make sure you stick with us. Jason and I will continue to break it all down for you each and every week. 
as we get closer to uh, another national champion this year. Crazy how time flies. But <laughs> everyone, enjoy the game. Enjoy your weekend. Hit the subscribe button if you have not already so you get a notification every time we release an episode. Jay and I greatly appreciate you all listening, et cetera, et cetera. War Eagle, everybody. Enjoy the game. War Eagle. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.